Do you feel good, mom? Yeah. You're making okay. me more nervous, that, but I'm fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> just try to be natural. Just pretend that you're just talking to me. Okay. Sounds good. I'm Maya Chupkov, and I'm a woman who stutters. I'm Cynthia, and I know nothing about stuttering. And this is Proud Stutter, a podcast about changing the conversation about stuttering and embracing verbal diversity in an effort to change how we talk about it, one conversation at a time. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Proud Stutter. We have our very first guest interview of the series. And it's with my mom. Say hi, mom. Hi, mom. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm so excited to have my mom on as our first guest. My mom has been there for me through thick and thin, and she's always wanted what was best for me. She's been my rock through all the bullying and just has always been an inspiration for me and really helping me just keep going. And I think it will be really interesting to hear her side of things when it comes to my stutter. Some of the things we will be talking about include speech therapy, school, fluency, and acceptance. Cynthia won't be joining for this interview. This is just going to be just me and my mom. So I guess my first question is, at what age did you notice my stutter? And what was your initial thought about it? Well, you were my firstborn, so I didn't have any other child to compare it to of my own. But I recall when you first learned to speak, you know, around the ages of two and three, at the beginning, I noticed a hesitancy and a repeat, which I guess someone could say that that's when the stutter, I noticed it, but it didn't seem too unusual in children. You were also bilingual early on. Um, so I thought maybe that had something to do with it. And I did mention it to the pediatricians several times while you were young and growing up and was told, oh, don't worry, they grow out of it. So you noticed my stutter at around two or three years old? I mean, at that point, I didn't really, wasn't concerned, but I remember thinking, oh, she's hesitating and repeating, trying to get words out. So I guess in retrospect, that was probably the manifestation of a stutter, but I didn't, in my mind, categorize that as, oh, she's stuttering. It was just, I looked at it more as like, you're maybe just the way you were developing your speech. Yeah, because ever since I could remember, I had I had a stutter, but I guess it makes sense that it was earlier. So I, I know you talked a little bit about this, like how worried were you about my stutter like did you hear that because I I know like I've heard other parents talk about their child who stutters and a a lot of them are told that you know it's nothing to worry about what did you do about my stuttering once you kind of realized it might not be something that um, is just associated with the childhood well that's why I can sort of gauge when I thought it was more of a concern because it stood out more because I think when other kids after the two, three age, generally speech is more developed when you get five, six, and seven. And then 
you demonstrated a hesitancy and stuttering that I didn't see with others. So I thought, wow, this is not, doesn't seem to be the norm with others. And that I know was after five because that's when I reached out and I had heard from other families when there's a potential disability, you you know, we were in the public school system. So I reached out to the teacher or maybe the teacher even brought it to my attention. I pro- Either way that we reached out within the school district because the school provided speech therapist. I knew that as part of an IEP, Individualized Educational Assessment. Yeah, I remember when I was that young, how I would have to get pulled out of class. That was really the first time I really noticed that I was different because I think a lot of schools, when they set up speech therapy, they might not be thinking about how pulling the, the the kids out of school could impact them psychologically. Yeah, I think we decided, and I wasn't as knowledgeable at the time, I thought, oh, speech therapist, she's used, you know, let's utilize the school services because she's, that person's used to dealing with young kids and perfect. They, they said two or three times a week. And obviously a school therapist you know, was doing it during school hours. So they would have to pull the child out. And sometimes I understand I wasn't part of any of those. And actually, that's one thing in retrospect, I would have liked to observe some of those therapy sessions. But I understand that that you would be pulled with other kids if there were any at the time that also required you weren't like solo one on one, correct? Sometimes there were other kids in your session. There probably were other kids. I just don't remember. And looking back, now that I'm really thinking about it, I what I really remember most about that time period is more so on the people's reactions to my stutter, um, not the stuttering itself. Like I remember people just getting really confused. They just didn't understand what it was. The reactions followed me throughout my entire life. It was always the reactions that I was afraid of rather than the stuttering itself. I remember being bullied at school and I remember there were some, there were a lot of instances where it had to do with my stuttering, but I'm wondering from your side of things, if you recall a specific incident at school related to my stuttering that sticks out. No, I, I never witnessed any bullying. I obviously witnessed you stuttering in front of friends, but I remember you feeling uncomfortable when you're trying to get your words out and it didn't happen all the time. You were more fortunate than, than others. And then I looked, I found the stuttering foundation and we ended up, cause you hated being pulled out. And I understood that. And I just didn't feel maybe that the therapy was that um, effective. And I think with more research, I found, wow, I got to find a therapist that really focus her practice and understand stuttering. So I went to the stuttering foundation and found a private therapist. She told me that if she would have been able to work with you prior to five, that's, that's, and whether or not, like, this is what I clearly remember. If she would have had a chance to work with you before five, when I guess the vocal cords are more, you know, I, I don't know, developed, that she could have largely almost like cured your um, stuttering. 
I don't know if that's true. But that's what I recall hearing. Yeah, I remember her. And I remember driving to Pasadena with you, mom, like, was it every other week or every week? I don't know. I think we did it at varying times. We started off every week and then it yeah. would go, you know, periodically. And I remember her saying that there was tools like she gave got her have Maya remember to use her tools. <laughs> and that one a couple comments that started out, she felt that you had a lot of self-esteem, which I was always, oh, that's so great, because she felt that, and I remember hearing from teachers that teacher said it doesn't inhibit Maya asking questions and participating, which I felt, wow, so lucky because a lot of people could be shut down and afraid. Yeah. And just reflecting on speech therapy, I remember I felt a lot of pressure to be fluent. Um, and I think the the reason why my speech improved looking back is because I got so good at hiding that part of myself like it just it may have appeared it got better when really I was just stepping up my mental gymnastics and trying Mm. as hard as I could to hide it that's so interesting another thing too that I've never shared with you is because I just remember feeling so exhausted after each therapy session just because it took so much out of me like mentally to like do all this stuff and remember all the the tools and I hardly ever practiced them outside of therapy because I just didn't have the energy you know I was very high achieving when I was in school and having all these tools to practice was just another kind of thing I had to think about when I never really wanted to do it in the first place but at the, the same time I really appreciate you like really going above and beyond to help me especially because at that time I really did hate my stutter like I felt so alone in it and I didn't really know anyone else who stuttered until I think I was in college was the first time I ever met met someone that stuttered now that I have more of the language to describe my experience I really um, started passing as fluent, which really means that I started just becoming, you know, I, a, the, this other part of me that wasn't really my authentic self that didn't stutter, but d- deep down, it's like, I knew I still had the stutter in me. That's interesting commenting that hiding in your authentic self I, I just try and I guess I need time to think about that. Not that I mean, I'm I'm glad to hear that honest opinion cover sort of covering up the stutter. And I guess can me confusing that with tools or improvement. Yeah. And I think that's why I'm so glad we're having this conversation because I don't think it's black and white. I think stuttering what's so what's so hard about it is it's it's still very misunderstood even in science like there really isn't a cause for stuttering and you know it's so inconsistent like one kid could have a stutter and then it they outgrow it when they're 18 you just never know and sometimes i've talked with people that have had a childhood stutter and then they grew out of it and then you know 
they turned 30 and suddenly it's come back. So stuttering is just still such a mystery. And because yes. it's so easy to just carpomentalize stuttering, it's like, okay, this person has a stutter. We need to get rid of it. And then they'll be happier. Like that's yes. so, and I, right. and I that's... thought that that way for a long time too, until recently right. when really it's when I started thinking about stuttering and learning more about it because so much of me for most of my life have ignored my stutter when it came up I just tried my hardest to just ignore it and just pretend it wasn't there and I even whenever I heard someone else stutter I could not be in the same room with them because if I can't deal with someone else's stutter that I'm stuttering with and I'm embarrassed for them like how do people view me if I feel that about other people stutters. I mean, I can learn so much, even though I think, quote, yeah, I did a good job. You know, it's so important to have this conversation because I think you're right. In my mind, it was like, my kid needs help. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And, you know, at that point, the therapist was available, you know, in the evening and it's a long day, you know, didn't want you to miss school and it was evening appointments and you're exhausted. And it's not just like you said, to fix it, she's going to improve or I see improvement. There's so much more. And, and like you said, accept like the acceptance of someone else's uniqueness and talk about those issues that come up, whether it's speech or, or disability or someone's a little different and how, we can have these conversations. And so it's not just one person. And we're trying to fix something that we don't see as mainstream. Because um, I think that's how I was looking at what can I do to help my kid, whatever it takes. And now I learned that there's more that we can do. Yeah. And I think mom, like, honestly, I think you did everything right. I think I turned out just fine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I really just want to you know, have those conversations about self-acceptance because the earlier kids and adults can really start accepting themselves and their stutter, the more free they will be and the more Absolutely. they won't like carry this weight of like, it's because it's, phys it's physically, mentally, psychologically exhausting to have a stutter. Now that I am more accepting of my stutter, I feel so much more confident. And I feel that people are really wanting to know more about stuttering now that I'm coming out, out coming out about it. We've got another show we would like to tell you about today. As you might know, Cynthia and I are both based in San Francisco, and we love learning about our city and how it works. If you're curious about this kind of stuff too, you should check out podcast Civic from the San Francisco Public Press, which is a local nonprofit newsroom. They talk with community organizers, city officials, and everyday citizens about housing, transit, climate change, public health, and so much more. Their conversations really help with making sense of local headlines. Recently, they spoke with veterans about how they build community in San Francisco and advocate for things like healthcare access, education, and employment together. So be sure to check out Civic and give it a listen wherever you get your podcasts. You can also tune in to KSFP-FM to catch Civic every weekday.
Did you ever speak openly about my stutter to Abba or Noah? Oh, I, I never felt it was something to hide. And I felt there was always, and I, I recall we spoke about it. I mean, we wouldn't just bring it up. I mean, it was something that we would talk about in the family. My dad stuttered. He noticed that you were stuttering. So my, my oh, dad. Wait, I didn't know Grampy had a stutter. Yeah, right. It was not as um, I think as pronounced as yours was, but something we talked about and I remember him talking to you we didn't want to make it that big of an issue I don't think it was a huge issue in our family it was something you were getting therapy for and we saw improvement right away so um, I always felt grateful that you felt better I mean I certainly felt better as a parent you just don't you know my heart would go out anytime my kids would struggle and that's a process for a parent. It's like, oh my goodness, you know, you got to let your kids make mistakes or struggle sometimes in those struggles. There's learning experience and it was always focusing on self-love. So I, I felt that it wasn't such a big deal in our family. And it's, it, it's wild to me that I don't remember having that conversation with, with, with the grampy because I'm sure I did. Um, especially mm-hmm. if, you know, if he had a stutter, I'm sure we talked about it, but I think I just tried so hard, like I said, to ignore my stutter and not think about it, that maybe I have all these suppressed memories of stuttering. Or maybe you just didn't let her, because bo- your therapist said it didn't seem to bother you. And I, it didn't bother- and maybe I was, maybe I was wrong, but I thought, wow, that's, I'm so proud of my daughter. She just, she still contributes. She just, in the class, she doesn't let it bother me. And I'm like, and that, because I remember the therapist saying, the only downside of Maya not letting it bother her is maybe she's not working on her tools I give her. And I was like, wow, that's it. That's it. I'm so happy, my kid. And again, maybe that's not the whole story. It's like you were this confident kid, didn't let it bother you. Maybe there's more to it. Like you said, it's not so black and white. Because I think... You know, before I really started hiding my stutter or before I knew how to hide my stutter, I I just remember feeling such pain because, you know, I hated being different and I hated the way stuttering made me feel. And I think that's why I just stopped letting it bother me because it was so painful. You know, not everyone who stutters can hide it. You know, there are overt stutters that no matter how hard they try it's like that's just how there's so many different forms of stuttering but for me I became a covert stutter I hid my stutter I could do that when I had that shift of like starting to hide my stutter I, I definitely felt good but but now when I look back it's like I was hiding a huge part of myself and it was hard for me to really connect with people until after I opened up to them about my stutter because once that line was crossed, that's when I really could connect to someone because they could see my authentic self and understand me more. I also remember when I was going through therapy, I would constantly label my stuttering as something negative and that something was wrong with me because I was spending so much time trying to get rid of it. I mean, outwardly, it seemed like I was confident, but inwardly, I was just 
so hard on myself and I would never give myself a break and I would always just criticize myself every time I stuttered, but no one really could see that because I may appear fluent and um, okay, but deep down I have that that I'm criticizing myself constantly because society does not accept me for who I am. And I mean, I get that. And I guess the part that I'm trying to understand is acceptance for sure. And then also it's okay to improve or to help someone improve. And that doesn't mean it's bad the way you are, but I don't have a stuttering, but I'm constantly trying to improve the way I speak or other areas of myself. So I guess when you first said, well, I think stuttering, you know, we should just accept it. And I sort of got the sense that that was against like speech therapy and working on improvement. I think that's where I was like, well, I totally understand and agree. Self-acceptance. And if anything, I could go back in time and assist you with the self-acceptance. But I think we did. I, I think you're pretty well-developed and have a good head on your shoulders and feel good about yourself. But I think the two can be aligned. So Maya, when you say, you know, self-acceptance and accept the stuttering, which I 100% stand by and support, how do you feel? What are your thoughts if you were a parent and... Does that negate the self-acceptance, negate speech therapy and improvement? So I was in speech therapy around 20 years ago, and speech therapy has really evolved since then to have acceptance be the focal point of treating stuttering. And I think improving the stutter's quality of life is really at the center rather than improving their fluency. It's more about helping the kid say what they want to say instead of say, helping the kids say what they want to say in this certain way. That I think is wonderful. Is that the approach? Because if I don't know what the curriculum is for speech therapists, but it's, I don't know, does it incorporate now? Like is how common is that psychotherapeutic combination? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know, but I do know that in 2018, the keynote speaker at the National Stuttering Association, her hour-long speech was all about this shift in um, speech therapy. That's wonderful to hear. Yeah. Because that's, that's like treating the whole person, right? That's the movement probably in the last... <laughs> 40 years, but I think incorporating it into speech therapy is the whole person. Yeah. And I do think, you know, there is a balance because I totally can get why, you know, a parent especially would want their kid to work on their speech. I totally support that. But at the end of the day, stuttering is a medical condition. It's not something that you can just improve over time. There's no cure for stuttering. And so whether it goes away or not, I think we just need to have this more acceptance and pridefulness of our stuttering and other disabilities because we don't know if it's going to go away and why not embrace that rather than trying to trying so much of your energy to get to hide it or get rid of it or improve it, however you want to say it. 
I think that's so important, especially if the only, or even if it wasn't the only therapy that a child is given is in school, because school, like you said, the fear of being singled out and how does a classroom address that? How does the speech therapist address that? How does a teacher in a classroom address that? So, and a lot of kids don't have the luxury of private therapists or even parents that support any type of um, therapy for their child. So I think that hearing that is so important and such great news. And I think also there is a power in letting children with stutters know that they're not alone because really it's all about not feeling alone. And I think if I knew other kids that stuttered too, it would have helped with my own acceptance. Um, So thank you, mom, for being so honest. And I think we both learned a lot from each other. Um, But my last question for you to end the episode is what advice would you give other parents knowing what you know now? I would definitely stick to your gut, you know, and I mean, this goes not just with speech therapy, but to if there's something with your child that you want to assist them with, even if you're being told by a doctor, hey, no, this is normal, always go with your gut. And I, again, I learned so much at the time, even though it was 20 years ago from the Stuttering Foundation, and it sounds like hearing from you that They've even continued to improve, including the the whole person in their approach, because I think exactly what you said, parents aren't alone. You can learn from each other and children. You don't want them to feel alone. So reach out. And I think that in retrospect, I wish I would have done that. You know, there were probably more groups I could have um, attended and had you attend. So one other point I think is to reach out to the teachers, like I would have done that more in retrospect and not, you know, so they can address with the class, not only if they have a child that stutters, but is there other issues? Like there's so much more emphasis now on inclusion and that, that I just hope that's a topic for all teachers to bring up and that could help stutter people that stutter or all the numerous areas that kids feel like they're the only one with a certain, whether it's a condition or other disability that to bring up more. So, And I just want to add to that one last thing. The International Stuttering Association, WeStutter.org, they have monthly webinars on different topics that you can connect with other stutters. So there was actually a, um, there was a parent one a few weeks ago or a few months ago that I attended where parents would talk about like, um, you know, ways to help their kids and just relating to to one another. And they also had one, I think, around working as a person that that stutters. So definitely check out westutter.org. There's a ton of resources out there. And yeah, thanks for listening to our show. Big thank you to my mom. Thanks, mom, for Um, being so open with me and for just being the best mom. Thank you so much for asking me to be a part of this. And I can't wait to learn more. And that's it for this episode. I'm Maya. And I'm Cynthia. And you've been listening to Proud Stutter. This episode of Proud Stutter was produced by me, Maya Chupkov. And edited by me, 
Cynthia Chin. Our music was composed by Augusto Denise and our artwork by Mara Ezekiel and Noah Chupkov. If you have an idea or want to be part of future episodes, find us on Twitter at ProudStutter. You can also find us at www.proudstutter.com. Drop us a note or share a voice memo. What's your stuttering story? What topics would you like us to cover? And what are you curious about? And if you like the show, you can leave us a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. More importantly, tell your friends to listen too. Until we meet again, thanks for listening. Be proud and be you. Be you.